Hello, and welcome to Slice of Wine, the podcast that gives you the snippets of the people, places, and innovations behind the barrel. I'm your host, Amy Cronin, and today I am with Bartholomew Broadbent, a.k.a. Baloo. Baloo is the president of Broadbent Selections, a renowned importer of unique wines from around the world, and I am so happy to have you on our show today. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Yes, you too. Now, Baloo, you are a lot of things. Um, (laughs) One of them is, you know, you're quite the pioneer for introducing new types of wines um, and new regions to to the United States. I mean, your portfolio has, you know, sort of the traditional French and, you know, um, Italian, Argentinian wines, but you also have wines, you know, South Africa, Portugal, England, Virginia, Lebanon. What sort of Broadbent Selections philosophy um, behind choosing wine partners, and how, how do you just how do you go about picking uh, these wineries from around the world? It's funny. During COVID, we launched wines from Italy and France, and we hadn't previously been doing that. Uh, and if anyone had been told me it was how easy it was to sell Italian wines, I would have done it years ago. Um, but no, uh, so. I do enjoy the pioneering of of wine regions, Um, and there are five absolutes. When we pick a winery to represent, there are five absolutes that they must have. It must be um, the top quality from the region or considered as a peer to the top quality wines. It must be um, family-owned, very important. Um, we We don't work with people who say, I represent 10 wineries and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, and it must be good price per quality. Even if it's a five hundred dollar wine, it should be good value compared to other five hundred dollar wines. Or if it's a ten dollar wine, good good value. So that's three. Um, four. Uh, it must be a family that is ethical and um, and uh, fun to work with and nice people because life's too short to deal with people you don't like. And the fifth one is um, that each wine has to have a story. So those are the five things which we we choose. Um, And we represent about 40 wineries from around the world. Um, And then we also have our own brand, the Broadbent, which you see behind me, um, which is uh, we make wines under the Broadbent label in Portugal, which includes Vino Verde, um, Dao, Douro, um, Port, Madeira, and um, table wines from Madeira. Uh, and we also make wines in Austria. And we also have a brand called The Curator, which is from South Africa. And most recently uh, from Napa Valley, we've, we've started making wine in Napa Valley. And um, Auctioneer is what we've uh, came out with the this is the second vintage. 2018 was the first vintage. And Auctioneer is a tribute to my um, late father, who was a wine pioneer auctioneer. Um, he started the wine auctions for Christie's in 1966 and Hubline Wine Auctions in the 60s in America and started the Napa Valley Wine Auction with Bob Mondavi um, 40 years ago, I guess. And um, he was also an artist, so he drew this little symbol. That's um, one of your dad's pieces? Yeah. That, 
That yeah. is very cool. So, yeah. I mean, well, let's talk about your dad for a second because your dad was a beloved, you know, pa- uh, your late father, which is sad that he passed. But he lived a really long and amazing yeah, life. 92. Oh, my gosh. And he got married when he was uh, uh, five days before he turned 92. He got married for the second time. <laughs> I'd sign those papers, man. Like I, I want that. Like I want to be 92 with my <laughs> new wife. Um, he, uh, so he, and he was, you know, he's a beloved wine writer, famed auctioneer, master of wine. Um, you know, and, and this was your dad. Like this is, you know, you're growing up with this in your life. Did you always know you were going to be in the wine industry or did you like want to be a fireman? Um, I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, And um, so his name is Michael Broadbent. I don't think we mentioned that. (laughs) And and he wrote for, he wrote for Decanter magazine for 433 consecutive months. Um, And he also wrote, um, either wrote completely or contributed to over 50 wine books. So he he was very prolific. Um, And his art, which is, also published uh, as posters um, by a publisher in the, in the UK and, and sold all over the world. Um, uh, if you want to see his art, it's on my Facebook. Uh, in my photos, there's a, 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 um, a Bartholomew Broadbent Facebook, and it's a port, uh, there's a um, folder uh, with all his art, which is um, you know, about 700 pieces on that. I'm still trying to find more. But, but yeah, so he yeah. was very... And so I didn't... Um, he didn't encourage me, but he didn't discourage me. So, you know, I, I think I should have been Hugh Grant or something like that, but I didn't think of it. Um, but so, yeah, so it was only when I left school and did my gap year, I went to work in France for Hennessy Cognac and then um, Harrods Wine Department in London, then went to Australia. And it was in Aust- when I was in Australia, I, I wrote to him and said, you know, I want to go in the wine business. And he was very excited and and really, that's when my my relationship with him really sort of started developing. <laughs> uh, and it's funny, your dad was a, an artist. My dad was actually an artist as well, but you know, in his in his side time, and it's um, and he passed away a few years ago um, as well. But it's it's you know, it's those um, wonderful discoveries that you you know, like the the pictures in the drawer. You're like, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. And all of these things. Are you doing anything? Is there anything you're doing with his artwork in addition, you know, aside from the, the Facebook um, uh, I mean, um, there's, there's a major art publisher who's, who's publishing his, his works for, and this, this um, publisher sells to massive retailers. And, um, uh, but so he, some of his art is already as posters. Um, but I would like Very to do a cool. coffee table book of his art sometime, but just go for cool. time. Time is the so problem. You're, so you're in Australia, you decide, Dad, yes, I do want to be in the wine industry. And sort of what was your first step into the wine industry in the United States? What, ha- so, what well, happened? Well, that wasn't in the United States. So he was, so he wrote back, I was in Australia, and he said, well, you should come back now because there's an opening at Harvey's Wine Shop in Pall Mall. Um, in London, so I cut my six-month stay in, in Australia short by month and went to work for this uh, wine shop in um, in London. Right, and and really, I was there for a year or two, a couple of years, and 
um, one of my clients uh, came out after a rather boozy club lunch, and we had the directors of Allied Breweries in a board meeting downstairs. So I, so I gave them this guy a glass of sherry and uh, shoved him in, in, a, in a closet and locked the door. And every 20 minutes, I opened the, the door and filled up his glass. And after five glasses, he said, they'd like you in Canada. And it turned out he was consulting to a Canadian wine company and got me a, <laughs> got me a job in Montreal for two years. But after a year there, they transferred me to Toronto. And, and I was in Canada for about five years and um, met the Symington family, who then offered me a job in the States to start their company uh, in, in the U.S. And so I moved to San Francisco, uh, spent 21 years there. But... Um, after 10 years of working for them, that's when I started my own company, Broadbent Selections, in 1996, so about 26 years ago. So the earliest sort of Broadbent labels were the, these, you know, historic Madeiras, and and then you, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so what, I was very lucky working for the Symingtons, because the Symingtons are a big family that own a lot of port houses, and about a year into the job with them, they said to me, do you think you could sell Madeira? And I knew the history of Madeira with America, so I said, absolutely. Um, and so they bought a bunch of Madeira brands, and uh, we basically relaunched Madeira in uh, 1988. Um, and uh, prior to that, Madeira had not been sold in America much since Prohibition. Um, it was the biggest selling wine in, in America until Prohibition um, and very historic to the founding fathers. They all toasted the Constitution with it, um, toasted the uh, Declaration of Independence with it, etc. Yeah. We could do a whole session. Yeah, if you look, I know. If you look at the old documents, like, you know, on the, on the, the you know, the menu, it's Madeira. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, was, it was massive. Um, then Prohibition sort of killed it off, and it really never recovered until we relaunched it in um, in the States in 1989, 88. And I did a, a tasting at the Four Seasons Clifton, Clift Hotel in San Francisco in uh, 1989. And um, prior to that, I only knew of two restaurants which had Madeira. One was Massa's wow. in San Francisco, which said, you had a choice of Ikem or Madeira with the foie gras, and then Burns Steakhouse had it because he was buying it at auctions. Um, but basically it was, it was non-existent. And a week after this tasting where we had about 400 people come to it, um, you know, Trevenia and Napa Valley had seven by the glass. Every restaurant in San Francisco had by the glass Madeiras, and it really took off very quickly. And now it's, a, it's doing really well. And... When I started my own company, when I left them, it was really to um, establish my own um, port and Madeira house. And so we, we do the Broadbent port, and that's the sort of label that you'll be looking at. And Madeiras, I sent my parents to the island because they're mad keen on Madeira. And they actually um, um, sent me notes on the Madeiras, but they found barrels. So um, the oldest Madeira we have is a 1933. Uh, wow. It's amazing. Um, so so they were able to find old barrels of Madeira and 
So even though my company started in 1996, we actually have 1933 Madeira. Wow, that's crazy. That um, That's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot. And my father's notes were predictable. <clears throat> my mother's notes on the wines were fantastic. She's, one of them, she said, this one's a deathbed razor. And I thought, what do you mean a deathbed razor? She said, well, the acidity is so vibrant. If someone gave me this on my deathbed, I would just get up and be fine. And, <laughs> and sadly, I didn't have the bottle of that wine to test the theory. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> It sounds like a really important bottle to have around now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, so on the flip side, now the, the new Broadbent label, the and it's not super, super new. I mean, the, the brand has been out there for a, a while. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a top 100 last year from Wine Enthusiast. It's a, you know, it's a Best Buy, but it's a, uh, it's not a 1936. These are new, fresh, bright, young. Yeah. Absolutely. Wine. So yeah. the the other end of the spectrum. And um and it looks like they're not only in the bottle anymore. Oh, you're talking about the Vino Verde. Um I'm talking about yeah, I'm talking about all of those uh, the, the those wines I, I see. Yeah, around I don't have here. a bottle with me, but that's a label that everyone recognizes. <laughs> don't try to drink your phone. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so you uh, so I pioneered when I moved to America, I taught Americans how to drink port in, 19, in about 1985, um, built the port market for the U.S., um, then built Madeiras. And then when I started Broadbent Selections, we built, we pioneered other regions like um, Lebanon and Portuguese table wines. And um, we were very early on in the game of New Zealand wines when, um, because prior to 1985, there were no New Zealand wineries, but um, so in 1996, we were very early in on the game of that. Um, and we, we uh, <clears throat> represent Argenti Argentine wines, Bodegas Vinet, which was the very first Argentine wine shipped to America, um, and uh, other wine regions, and, and, and a few traditional areas, like uh, Guntram was our first uh, non-fortified wine producer who came to us with his German Rieslings. Um, but... Uh, Vino Verde is this category of wine <clears throat> which didn't have a very good reputation um, and when I started selling importing Vino Verdes and putting we use our own brand uh, Broadbent, um, people thought I was nuts because until then Vino Verde was sort of languishing on the bottom shelf of wine shops, it was um, sitting there for a long time people weren't buying it so it was going flat and stale and just not, you know, Vino Verde is supposed to be fresh and lively. And so I I always loved Vino Verde when I drank it in Portugal. I thought it's fantastic wine, um, but it was not well appreciated here and not and rightly so. And I figured the, the simple thing is just to put it in a refrigerated container so when it arrives here, it's as fresh as it is in Portugal. And... And it worked. And um, uh, on, top of, on top of that, my, my little niece um, painted this flower when she was four, Alice, and four years old. And it was a Christmas garden. And we put that on the label and, um, and it really took off. So people bought it because of that really attractive uh, 
label and and then they bought it again because they liked the wine inside because it really was beautiful and fresh just like it is in Portugal. And so the category has now evolved and it's one of the major categories of wine in in, in the US. Um, and then, so that your niece, is she apparently art runs in the family then? <laughs> I don't know. She was four and I'm not sure if she knew what she was painting. <laughs> it looks like a flower. It might have been her idea of Santa Claus because of the Christmas. Uh, yeah, no, it's so funny you say that. I actually have a painting of my from my daughter that I, you know, I have framed because it's like the most magnificent clown. You know, it has this hat with the thing and everything. She's like, wait, no, that's Sunflower Valley. It's supposed to be turned this way. You're like, <laughs> I see a clown. She that's saw really cute. Yeah, that's really <laughs> two mountains cute. and sunflowers. Well, unfortunately, my my niece Alice is now. 22 years old, and she's saying, hey, where's the... Uh, <laughs> now she's uh, figuring I, it I out. I gave her mother a case of wine, and her mother drank it, so I, you know, she'd give her another case, I guess. <laughs> Where are my royalties? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the... Um, I also think it's very interesting, you know, the, the realization that Vino Verde is supposed to be fresh and to put it on a refrigerated container. I mean, we're not just talking about getting it over here and putting it in a cold box, which I think is probably also a great way to get it off the shelf and, and get get people into people's hands. It's This is the entire journey, keeping yeah. it refrigerated and fresh and, yeah. and bright. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we have a warehouse, the warehouse is nice and cool and everything. So it's, it's really, and, and it's just a delicious drink. It's not, it's not a serious wine. It's just a fun drink. And, um, and when we launched the cans, I've been working on this project for nine years to try and get cans. Um, it's been a very long, um, uh, journey, which has been very frustrating because you know, you can't, they don't do cans in Portugal. They, you had to find the can makers. You had to, um, there's a lot that went into this. Um, but we finally launched it. And the Vino Verde region um, doesn't allow or didn't allow cans because cans didn't exist in Portugal. So they never thought to include this as, a, as an accepted form of container. And so um, we beat about the bush on that and and eventually said, well, the brand is well enough known now that people will recognize it and, and buy it because they know it's the Broadbent Vina Verde. Um, but instead of, because we can't call it Vina Verde, we just called it Spritzy White and um, Spritzy, Spritzy Rosé. Um, so, so, but ironically, literally, a week after these cans landed in America, they changed the rules in Vino Verde to allow Vino Verde to be bottled in cans. And so we have this, <clears throat> we, we were wondering what to do about that because we now have this lovely wine called Spritzy Rosé and, um, and Spritzy, Spritzy White. Um, and we've decided that because the people who know the Vino Verde will recognize this as Vino Verde, but by keeping Spritzy White, we might actually attract drinkers who are not Vino Verde drinkers who don't want Vino Verde, and they might just buy this and discover it's delicious. And, and so we might have a new market for this, a new consumer group for this. Um, it is delicious. And 
really interesting. I was in, as you know, I was in Boston last week um, introducing these cans. The first time I was out in the market showing them to, to accounts and to retailers and restaurants. And, and um, everyone, everyone was buying them, even, uh, even upscale um, places where I wouldn't have expected them. Um, and the feedback that we got was really interesting because they said this is the ideal um, ideal wine for a can because most canned wines you open it and it's just there's no there's no visceral it's just flat it's because yeah. it's wine yeah but I don't know if I can do this and have you hear it but when you open this can it's going to sound just like opening a can that you like hold on let's see ha huh. um. And, and that's... it's got a little bit of spritz, which from the CO two that Vina Verde has. Um, and right. So it's important. It's important to know, like Vino Verde has a natural spritz to it. So and it is delicious and fresh, so fresh. Um, and it's, it's it's I'm I was really impressed the first time I tried one in the states. I was really worried is yeah. it going to be as good as the bottles and. Yeah. And I was so pleasantly surprised by, by how delicious it is. Would you say, is there any difference between the can and the bottles as far as like the, the flavor or the, you know, no. as far as like a mechanism? No, there isn't. I mean, the production, it's the same wine. The only thing that you have yeah. to do when you're bottling it, it, obviously because a bottle is a different size to a can, so you have to just adjust the amount of CO2 that's added to it at bottling. Um, that's the only difference. So... It is, um, yeah. And and someone asked me the other day, you know, you you grew up drinking the finest wines in the world, yeah. um, the most expensive, the greatest, and your portfolio you represent really fantastic wine producers who are top of their class and everything. Um, isn't it a bit um, uh, unexpected to see you drinking from a can? Um, well. As much as I admire and, and love great fine wine, I also think it is just a drink. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, I've always been frustrated with people who make wine a, a, an exclusive thing because wine is just a drink and some are more expensive than others, but ultimately it's just a drink. And I think whatever it takes to get the wine, the grapes from the vineyard uh, made into wine, whatever it takes to get the wine that's finished from the winery into your mouth is absolutely fine. There's, there's, I'm not against any form of container, as long as the container can maintain the quality. And certainly in the case of canned wines, it, it can. It can. <laughs> the can can. Let's <laughs> do the can can. Yeah, here we go. I think I think we have a new marketing. Yeah, <laughs> I think we have your commercial. <laughs> there you go. This is genius here. <laughs> well, you're the great marketing person. Every time I talk to you, you have brilliant marketing ideas. New plans. New. Pl- <laughs> Uh, well, it was, uh, I have to get myself, uh, my, my hands on, uh, a couple of can cans. Um, they, they look amazing. I'm, I've always been a big fan of the, the broad bent wines and, you know, just their, 
um, you know, light, refreshing, and just a, a super enjoyable um, line that 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 you have, and it's um, you know, great wine without being too complicated. Wine to enjoy, right? Just yeah. um, you don't. So um, I look forward to hopefully having a uh, a glass or a can or <laughs> yeah, a I mean, with you, you soon. To, if you want to put this in a in a glass, you can. But um, obviously, the the applications for this are you know, any any private club that doesn't allow glass containers by the swimming pool. This is perfect. Yeah. Um, people who play golf can put it in their golf bags uh, by the tennis court going to festivals, uh, on boats, um, mm-hmm. just uh, keeping keeping town everywhere. You can just drink these anyway, and, and they're really easy. And this is real authentic wine. I mean, this is not, you know, it's this this is, you know, authentic Vino Verde. Is this, by the way, the first Vino Verde in a can imported into the United States? We were the ones who had the idea. And... Mm-hmm. and um, the problem is that the company who I partner with in Portugal, Sograp, they have their own brand of Vino Verde. Um, and I think one of the reasons that they made it, it was more difficult, is because they wanted to develop their own and have theirs be the first to market. And so um, actually, uh, about three years ago, I was in their office um, you know, having been working with them on cans for six years at that point, uh, and they, them saying, no, it's not possible, I walked past an office in their building and said, what's that? Pointing at their a can of their own Vino Verde. And they said, well, yeah, we figured it out now, and we can do yours next year, but we're going to launch ours this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they, were the, they were the first to market, but they do acknowledge that it was my idea that they took. Oh, good. And uh, which is fine. <laughs> And they are really good partners. I'm happy that they can get to the market first. And, but I ha- happen to think that ours is going to sell better than theirs. So I'm happy to give them a head start and, and <laughs> let them prove. They need it. Yeah. And then they can't blame it on us being first to market. They'll just say, "That's right. Well, your, your, your branding is better. <laughs> that's right well i look forward to having a glass with you it was so wonderful having you on the show and Mm -hmm. um let's do this again yeah well we should do a whole feature on madeira because that's that's a a that's its own topic i'd love to we'll do a madeira tasting through and through it'll be fun thanks (laughs) thank you 